The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Hey there, it's your old pal, Michael Kavnat, back with another helping of useful ideas you can listen to while walking the dog or commuting or working out. Really, any activity you're doing that doesn't require your full attention is a good time to listen to the next big idea daily and download some wisdom from big thinkers past or present. Or, as in today's case, past and present, because today we're going to hear from Julian Bagini, an author and honest-to-goodness philosopher who argues that the habits of mind developed by history's great thinkers can improve your life today. His latest book is called How to Think Like a Philosopher, 12 Key Principles for More Humane, Balanced, and Rational Thinking. And here's Julian to share some of those big ideas. Good thinking is mainly about paying attention. Philosophy is often said to be about argument, but many of the greatest philosophers have simply noticed what others have missed. Think of how both David Hume and the Buddha observed that there is no singular unified inner I that constitutes our essential self. Lack of attention also leads us to jump to conclusions about what follows from our observations. Why is it that half a century after the height of the civil rights movement, there was still a need to start the Black Lives Matter movement? Why is it that decades after women won the vote, there is still systemic misogyny in every democratic society? It's not for an absence of cogent arguments. That people should have equal rights and opportunities, irrespective of their sex, skin colour or ethnic background, has not been seriously contested for decades. But these principles which almost everyone signs up to, haven't fully cut through the layers of prejudice and ignorance that centuries of oppression and elite power have wired into the collective psyche. Thinking clearly is one thing, taking something to heart quite another. When we've only thought through an issue at an abstract level, we haven't thought it through enough. For thinking to get out of our heads and into our hearts and actions, it needs to be rooted in close attention to the world, to other people, and how we interact with them. The act of thinking itself is largely about focusing the mind. That's why in many Asian philosophical traditions, we are advised to get into the right frame of mind to think, often with the help of formal exercises like breathing meditation. You need a clear mind and the energy to concentrate. We need to attend to what is actually the case, Otherwise, we only see what we assume is the case. Stripping away our preconceptions is harder than it sounds because most of them are deep and implicit. Many mistakes are made by not distinguishing between what something tells us and what we assume it actually means or what follows from it. And of course, we have to look out for attention hijackers, the things that distract us from seeing clearly or looking at the right things. Finally, we need to attend to what others have to say, especially those whose experiences are close to what it is you are thinking about. We need to respect, but not automatically defer to them. Breadth is depth. Good thinkers are eclectic. They do not restrict themselves to the insights of a narrow form of expertise. 
They recognise that disciplinary boundaries are not nature's boundaries. They approach every issue from more than just one angle, so they think about the whole of it, not just a part. Specialisation is a result of the relatively recent academicization of philosophy and other disciplines. Historically, philosophers have cast their nets wide. Aristotle studied nature in a lagoon on the island of Lesbos, not reclining at home in Athens. Spinoza ground lenses. Descartes dissected animals as well as concepts. Hume was better known in his day as a historian than as a philosopher. But doesn't this kind of breadth of thought come at the price of depth of thought? Isn't the choice between being broad and shallow, or narrow and deep? I don't think so. Going wide is not a less rigorous form of thinking than going deep. In fact, often it's more fruitful. We should think broadly without any shame, because breadth of thought is a kind of depth of thought. Think for yourself, not by yourself. We're often told to think for ourselves. Independence of thought is meant to be the great legacy of the Enlightenment liberation from ecclesiastical and other forms of authority. As Immanuel Kant implored in his essay, What is Enlightenment? Sapere orde, have courage to use your own reason. The ideal of autonomous thought is reflected in the common trope of the lone genius, popular in philosophy, science and the arts. But psychology and history tell us this is false. Very few geniuses reach their insights without the input of others. And there are numerous experiments that show we are much better at solving many logic tasks when we do so in groups than when we do them alone. We are social thinkers. We cannot do without the expertise of others, and we think better when in dialogue with others. Of course, we can do this badly. There is the curse of groupthink, which not only creates too much consensus and conformity, but can push members of the group to greater extremes. Similarly, there is the trap of going along with received wisdom, or accepting ubiquitous propaganda, whether it's from governments or advertisers. But all these failures are not the result of thinking with others, they are the result of going along with others without thinking. To think well together we need active strategies to counter conformity. In organisations, leaders need to minimise their involvement and encourage criticism. They should make sure problems are discussed by different independent groups. External expertise should be sought and all alternatives considered. In our own personal lives, we should seek views that differ from our own and come from people outside our own social circles. We should not get all our information from the same source, or those that take a similar stance. We need to be prepared to challenge friends and colleagues, and learn to do it without being aggressive or confrontational. Loyalty, remember, should be reserved for people, not ideas. At the end of the day, the buck does stop with us. Only we can ultimately judge what is true or false, and how confident we can be in those judgments. In that sense, we have no choice but to think for ourselves. But the more we get others to think with us, the better our thinking will be. Thank you, Julian. It's good to know philosophy isn't just confined to libraries and lecture halls, but can inform how we live day to day. After all, we could use all of our best thinking to solve our most pressing problems, both individual and collective. 
And one of the most pressing of those collective problems is probably climate change. And tomorrow, we're going to take a searing look at the issue with insights from the recent New York Times bestseller, The Heat Will Kill You First, Life and Death on a Scorched Planet by Jeff Goodell. If you'd like to hear Jeff's ideas sooner, or frankly, if you'd like to hear any of thousands of big ideas from hundreds of smart writers, check out our Next Big Idea app wherever you get your apps. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.